Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we're here with episode 536 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for um, Monday, August 26, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Android is a little less sweet, Apple is a little less expensive, and Libra is a little less confident. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, uh, on any of our uh, on any of the podcatchers, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of others like Spotify or TuneIn Radio, um, on any of our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, or of course on our website, plugkitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is uh, normally on Sunday nights at 9 p.m., uh, obviously this evening, Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, you can go to f5live.tv slash join us, and there you can chat with us in the studio as we talk about our topics. Abram and I always love to hear what you have to say uh, about the topics as we talk about them. Uh, if you can't join us live, that is okay. You can always go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe, and there you will see all of our shows, including F5 Live and The Pilch Point, as well as Plug Hits Live Presents, um, First Looks, and a whole bunch of others. Uh, with that, I think that's the spiel. Avram, how are you? Ah, uh, decent. Decent. Looking forward to Labor Day weekend. <laughs> um, you know, it... De- decent. Uh, you know, getting, uh, getting, getting some stuff done. Not a, Never enough. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, you have anything planned for the weekend, or just is it just gonna be a chill weekend for you? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, doing some stuff with the extended family that I don't normally see, so that'll be cool. Um, That's good. You know, it's uh, so so that so that'll be that'll be cool, I guess. Uh, I'll be spending not much time with the computer. That'll be mixed mixed feelings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, although as it turns out, like two out of three of my cousins there are working computers, so oh, go figure. I guess it. Uh, I guess it. I guess it, it rubs off. Apparently, you know. Don't don't tell anyone, but don't tell anyone. But one of my cousins actually works for Apple. Ah, okay. We don't talk about it. I was going to um. say uh, that that sounds like the technological black sheep. No, I mean it's it's cool. She is, uh, you know, being at Apple, she can't really talk about what she does. It's sort of like working for the CIA, uh-huh. but it's something to do with their uh, with their um, mobile software. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's that that's interesting coming from uh, obviously coming from. A very Android guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's fine. I, I recognize <laughs> that, you know, it's that that there's there's good, you know, there's some good development going on there. So, Well, I don't have any special plans for the weekend, but I do know that uh, you were saying you've been doing a lot, but never enough. That's how I've felt the last uh, week or so as uh, as. Uh, videos have been published to 
uh, Plug Hits Live presents all week. We are, we're like 21, yeah. I think we're 21 videos in out of like 75 or so. So it's going, Collision is, is finally going up. I, nothing against the conference, but I cannot wait to be rid of it. It is. It is some of my favorite content, and it is some of the hardest work <laughs> getting that stuff out in the wild. So I cannot wait for it to be done, uh, but there is some really cool stuff uh, that has been published already, um, and people can check that out at um, plugkitslive.com slash... No, just go to collision.live. That's your easiest way to get there. I was thinking CES. Collision.live will take you right to it. So... Uh, Definitely check that stuff out. Uh, it's some some really fun content. But with that, how about we get down to some news? Yeah. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by Microsoft. Uh, whether you're looking for a new laptop or a tablet or the... The, uh, the new Samsung phones, either the Galaxy S10 or the Note 10 or a variety of other products, the Xbox One, S or X, uh, you're looking for uh, software stuff like Visual Studio, you can find all of it by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And remember, students and military get a 10% discount. So, uh... I think one of, especially for those of us in the industry, one of the most fun aspects of Android every year is the guessing game on what uh, sweet name the next version is going to be called. Um, there has been a couple of different ways they've gone. Sometimes they've gone generic, like uh, Android Pie. Sometimes they've gone... Uh, super branded with a partner like Android Oreo. Um, but it has always been something sweet, some sort of a dessert. Um, there was, uh, it was originally Key Lime Pie and it became Kit Kat. Uh, just always something in that space. Uh, but with the release of Android 10, that naming convention is coming to an end. Uh, it will officially just be uh, the number, Android 10, uh, there will be no suite attached to it. I think that this was an inevitable move <laughs> because um, I think X, Y, and Z were going to be problems for them. Um, plus, after Z, what were they going to do? But Q, also a problem. And <laughs> plus the whole cutesy thing. Well, you know, it was it was fun, but I think it created confusion because is it nine? Is it Android nine or is it Android Pie? Are they the same thing? Are they different things? Um, so, no more with the the sweet names. It will just be Android Pie. Though I do, I would love to know if they pitched any uh, Q names around the office. Quick. <laughs> Yes. Quick, like Nestle Quick. Which they have already had a relationship uh, with Nestle for a previous Android version. So yeah. it's the only thing I could come up with. Somebody suggested quiche, I mean, and I'm like, quiche, quiche is... That's bad. Yeah, that, that's 
savory. That's not a sweet. That would have worked after they got to Z. My prediction was after Z, they were going to loop back around and do savories the second time. <laughs> and so it would have worked uh, well, the second time around, but it wouldn't have worked this time. Quick is the only thing I came up well, how with. How does Apple... How does Apple keep coming up with keep coming up with names for OS X? <laughs> it seems like there's a a wall of just words and they throw darts at it. That's my guess. Or or you know, we have and this is actually a brand new thing, right? Uh, as of last week, Intel's uh, super confusing uh, new set of laptop chips where they have all these different lakes. Uh-huh. So now you you have Intel 10th generation core, which could be either Ice Lake or Comet Lake. And if it's Comet Lake, it's 14 nanometers. And if it's Ice Lake, it's 10 nanometers. But they're both 10 series <laughs> CPUs just to, just to keep it interesting. I oh mean, so, so they're not the only ones with a, with a naming... A naming issue for sure i liked i think i think they gave up on I th- it seems to me like and i'm sure someone from nvidia will correct me but that seems like nvidia gave up on tegra uh or at least gave up on it as like a major cp major processor but they had a great naming scheme for the tegras although granted they were code names just like intel's code names ice lake and comet lake right but they were all named after superheroes so it was right. like Wayne, Kal-El, Logan, you know. So uh, I thought that was the, the coolest little naming naming scheme. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And, you know, uh, I, I think you mentioned Mac OS. I think originally this kind of weird naming thing really started with Mac OS X. Uh, for public consumption with the big cats. Oh, right. All of the, until they got to 1010, right? It was, uh, it was big cats, yeah. <laughs> which was yeah bizarre, but it worked for them. Everybody knew what weird big cat was attached to their computer. Nobody knew that it was yeah. 10.6. Nobody knew the number. Everybody knew the cat and that was fine. It worked. I think the problem that Android is facing is that people hear both names and aren't able to figure out, are they the same? Are they different? You know, it. I think that's what has caused Android to make this move. Um, I, I, also, think the cue, I think the lack of sweet cues <laughs> is what has caused them to make this move. I think it's certainly what made them do it now. <laughs> um, but they've also updated the logo. Which I like because um, I have always hated the lowercase n and the lowercase r that they used because the n looked like an upside down u and the r looked like the n cut in half. I hated that font so much. And they have, they have thankfully fixed that. Um, they've also uh, given the mascot... A bit of a, a makeover, at least a new color scheme. Uh, I actually really like the bizarre new green that they chose. It is painfully distinct in the in the same way that the the green that we use for the pilch point is like painfully distinct. It's 
it's bizarre, but it works. I think that what they chose for, um, for the new Android logo and and the new the new mascot head, I think works really well. And they've got a couple of like official poses, for, because, you know, it's like nose and above. They've got a couple of couple of po- official poses where he's like looking off to the left, off to the right, rolling his eyes, and then looking straight out, which I thought was pretty fun. So I I think they did a really good job with this this branding remake and. I'm a little bit of a branding snob, so <laughs> for me to say something positive about somebody else's brand makeover is unusual. And, and it seems it's unusual for me to say something nice about Google. So, hooray! It, we got a twofer here. I like numbers. Numbers are accurate, uh-huh. right? Like, I feel like every time you, you there's too much of a trend the last few years of companies refusing to, to really give you the number. Uh-huh. Uh, like the Windows surf. makes it really difficult right uh-huh. right now. Yeah, and even then, yeah. uh, even we used to have at least we had cutesy names for a while, and we don't even get that anymore. It's what version? Eh, don't worry about it. <laughs> right, it's they want to obscure it because I mean you know if you're really in, if you're in the know you can figure out which build you have and mm-hmm. all that, but they really want to obscure it. From most people, because they, I, I talk to tech to tech PR people all the time. Oh, we don't want people to worry about it. Yeah, that's another way of we don't want to be transparent. Of uh-huh. saying we don't want to be transparent. Yeah. Let's not assume that people are stupid. People, the uh, computer PC age has been going on now for like forty years. I think we can assume now that people understand what version numbers are, mm-hmm. and that they understand a new version number is newer and probably allegedly better than an old version number 10 is greater than nine (laughs) so all of this attempt to like obscure version numbers like that's what kills me with i mean apple is the worst with this with their macbooks like which macbook pro do you have oh Oh, i have the one from early 2018 the one with this bar (laughs) you know it's it's really i mean somewhere there's some weird set of letters and numbers that that it stands for but they don't they really hide that so like you know yeah they do that if you're shopping on amazon and you want to know whether you got the you are looking at a listing for the latest macbook not the one before the one before that mm-hmm. it might not be so easy yeah and you know microsoft so, did it once and and backed out they the surface pro 5 was just called the surface pro and they backed out of that, and they called the sixth one the Surface Pro Six. <laughs> Thank goodness. Everybody seems but, to have know, done it at some hand, point. They don't want to be Windows Eleven. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. I, I mean, and it's interesting. Going to be on Windows Ten forever until whatever happens with Core. Um, but it's exactly what happened with with Mac OS. When they got to 10, they stuck. They stopped at 10, and everything has been... Well, they dropped the X and lowercase the M a year and a half or so ago. But it, it, it was Mac OS X 10.13, where the, where the sub number was actually the primary build number. Which yep. is idiotic. 
So yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. I hate I hate when that kind of thing is is completely obfuscated from the user. It you there are so many times when you need to know what your whatever it is is. So stop hiding it. And Android yeah. has stopped hiding it. They are putting it out there front and center is no longer is Pi better than Oreo cuz that's a that's a debate <laughs> conversation. Um, yeah. <laughs> now you know yeah, 10 is know. newer than 9. So, I I personally I think this is a really good move and uh hopefully hopefully Android creates the new trend that Apple screwed up in the first place. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. Uh, speaking of obfuscation, <laughs> uh, sometimes you want to uh, obfuscate your internet history, your internet browsing, uh, whether you're trying to keep Facebook and Google from tracking your moves uh, for whatever weird thing they're tracking it for, or you want to keep your browsing history private from your internet service provider, uh, Pure VPN is a great way to do that. Um, and also, uh, it allows you to report that you're physically somewhere else. So when we were at Collision uh, a couple months ago, we wanted to be able to watch Hulu. We couldn't, but with Pure VPN, we could say we were still home and still use our Hulu. And right now, uh, for our viewers, we've got a really great deal. Instead of $10.95 a month, uh, you can get... Uh, two years of pure VPN service for $2.88 a month. That is a 74% savings and a really great deal. And you can find out all about that by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. So we, we have talked, Avram, about a little project that you've been working on. Um, but I know that there's a lot of stuff in addition to the little arcade cabinet there there's other stuff that goes into uh playing yeah. games right yeah so i wanted to talk about uh just how easy it is relatively speaking although there's some challenges these days to set up your own retro arcade system uh and when i say retro arcade system i mean not just arcade games but the ability to play um, to play Nintendo game to play Nintendo 64 games, SNES games, Atari 2600 games. There's at least uh, ten different systems, maybe a dozen systems that you can easily emulate. Uh, and of course, you can do this on a PC uh, by going and downloading some of these emulators. There are a few different sites devoted to this, um, but uh, the one thing a lot of people like to do with their Raspberry Pi, and you'll forgive me for being a big Pi promoter, is uh, is to is to use is to use them to create emulation systems because that way you can actually combine them with physical hardware like like a joystick and buttons, uh, like an old-fashioned joystick and buttons, or you can um, or you can at the very least attach it to your TV, you know, spend $35 on a Raspberry Pi and turn it into a console without uh, using your, your PC to do it. 
uh, which is good if you have kids. So, you know, I, I've shown not long ago that I have a couple of things to do this. Um, here is, um, here's one that I built that I built myself. Um, so this, uh, you know, this system here uses a Raspberry Pi 3B. You can see if you open it up here, uh, that's what's inside. And uh, all the joystick, all the little arcade buttons here connect to a USB controller board on the inside, uh, as does the uh, as is the, the joystick. Um, one thing that's a little bit limitation about the, the controller that I USB controller I used is I had to find a way of routing a USB cable. So I had to cut holes in the box just to have this ugly cable going on the outside, which is kind of lame. Um, but um, the bottom line is you can do this kind of thing for real cheap. Uh, and the software, the emulation software is free. So where do you go to, what do you do if you want to get started? Uh, first of all, you should, um, first of all, if you don't own a Raspberry Pi, you should get one. Um, now, normally I'm a big proponent of getting the latest and greatest, which would be the Raspberry Pi 4. But as of this date, uh, the emulation software, the leading emulation platforms, which for Raspberry Pi, which are called RetroPi and Laka, are both not, don't have a release version that supports the Raspberry Pi 4. I have an article up on um, Tom's hardware that explains how you can use the beta version of Locker. or you can kind of hack RetroPie 4 to work on the Raspberry Pi 4. Uh, but if you want to make your life easy and, and uh, if you get a Raspberry Pi 3B, those will work out of the box at this moment because the release software works with them. Um, so if you say, and I think of those two, RetroPie is definitely the more popular. You can get it at uh, retropie.org. And you actually don't even have to install it. You can download a micro SD card image, uh, burn, as in write the image to a micro SD card, stick it into your a Raspberry Pi, connect your Raspberry Pi to power and your TV and a controller. Uh, a standard Xbox or PlayStation controller will do, um, and and you're off and running. Now, the other thing you have to do, obviously, is have ROMs. Uh, ROMs are what you call ripped cartridges or discs uh, that ran on, uh, that were originally made to run on uh, the original system, whether that was an arcade machine, like old Space Invaders, or... Uh, or it was a Nintendo cartridge or an Atari cartridge or a Sega CD. Um, now, technically speaking, uh, downloading such things is a, at best a legal gray area, probably really um, probably not probably not something we can recommend, uh, but, a lot of people do download their ROMs from various sites. You can search for yourself. Uh, or uh, if you ha own some of those cartridges and you're able to, to rip them um, into ROMs, you can, you, you can use those. Um, but 
the results are pretty impressive once you get some games up and running and you copy them over to your retro pie box uh, i mean it's just really easy it the even with the raspberry pi 3b which is just a thing which is just you know uh, one gigabyte of ram and you know not the world's fastest computer it can run you know up to I think SNES games or even Game Boy games, uh, Atari games, regular old arcade games, Commodore 64, really, really, really well. Um, and of course, it gets a lot more fun once you, if you buy a kit that allows you to build something like this, or you can get a more complete kit like, like I have here. Oh, it's plugged in. Ah. The, uh, this is the Picade that I've shown before. Um, this, you can get this in a version for the Raspberry Pi 3, but they sent me the one for the 4, so I'm having a little trouble getting the software to work because, as I said, uh, you have to hack it a little bit, which I did, but now it won't boot, so i got to reinstall it because um, they give you the pieces to make the machine, but uh, you got to provide, you got to download the free software yourself. So, um, as I said, right now, Pi Four is not totally, is not really supported. So while you can use it, you got to kind of change some files, and it, not everything works well. But um, if you have a three, you can get a model that works with the three, and you can build an arcade machine like this. This this thing costs, uh, I think, a, around two hundred dollars. To, to build this to build this box, but um, if you just want to get the parts to make a joystick, and you want to get a box or something, then you're talking about maybe you know thirty forty dollars to make something to make something like this. Um, you know, if you already have the Raspberry Pi, which itself is about thirty bucks. So, um, you know, I just wanted to mention that because it's something my son and I have had a ton of fun with. Uh, he really enjoys playing the old classic games, um, and uh, and it's been really easy to to set these up and get up and running, and be able to expose him to all kinds of things that all kinds of games that I played in my youth. Which we we've talked a number of times that some of the the benefits of that you know the. The lack of DRM and or not DRM uh, DLC and stuff like that. So, uh, it's yeah, they're I complete. Mean, they're complete games in one package, which is fun. There's no, hey, you can't do this. It it's funny because my son has gotten a real. He's seven and he's gotten a real sense of like what constitutes an arcade game versus a regular video game. Mm. So he was playing a game on his Sphero Bolt. Uh, which is a, you know, which is a robotic ball, uh, but it's interesting because now they have uh, an app where you can use the Sphero Bolt ball as a controller, and it, the app looks a lot like Galaga. You're running, you have like a little, a little spaceship, and you got to shoot asteroids and aliens, right? And you do it by moving the ball around. And he said, you know, I thought that, I realized this is an arcade game, which means you just keep going until you die. There's no end of the game. Uh huh. And, and that's kind of his definition of an arcade game. It's a never-ending game. Um, 
which you know when you think about it not bad um today's games a lot of them have an end mm-hmm. you know they have a story that ends but uh the story of dig dug never ends until <laughs> till you die you'll be popping you'll be violently ma- causing you know causing little lizards to explode <laughs> dropping rocks on violently on these things I don't know what you call them uh, until uh, until you eventually succumb. But, um, you know, you'll be eating little dots in Pac-Man until eventually the ghost gets you. It's just it's like life's a maze and then you die. But, um, <laughs> that's but, uh, that's interesting. All I can say for the. All you can all I can say for the parents out there is that uh, building a retro system is a great like thing you, you can do with your kids, and then you can give them a taste of the things that you uh, you played when you were little. And uh, I've been surprised at how, even though my son has played some really advanced games on his Xbox and uh, you know even on the PC, uh, playing old arcade games, he still really enjoys them. So there's something timeless about that. I I definitely uh, agree with that. I think that's why um, it's viewed as as nostalgia, but I don't think that's really what it is. I think there really is um, a, a certain level of the games themselves are timeless. There's not they may be significantly simpler, both in concept and in graphics, for sure. From say a Call of Duty today, but there's they're just fun. There's not the stress and frustration that comes along with World of Warcraft or, you know, whatever. <laughs> There's, it's just it's just silly fun. Yeah, I also feel like the control... I mean, you can play these on a modern controller, and we have, but I think the controls are part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... We have at the... Uh, we have at the office someone uh, from Tom's Guide got sent to them a what is the name of that one arcade um, one of those retro systems that you build. Mm-hmm. It is not a Raspberry Pi system as far as I can tell. It just it has like five games on it. It's like Centipede and Millipede, and it has it's a trackball system. Like you got to that's what you've got. You okay. don't have a joystick. And I remember that so fondly, like it's the trackball that made the game. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the same playing centipede with a joystick. It's not the same playing asteroids with a joystick. Yeah. So Because one one of the things that we've we've talked about on some of our other shows is one of you know, one of the things that makes art interesting is the limitation. Um whether it be yep. self-imposed or whatever, um, you know, doing doing a complex thing just in uh, charcoal or you know whatever, it's it's the limitation that makes art interesting. And it wasn't self-imposed; it was a it was a technological imposition of of a limitation on on games at the time. You know, the the idea of of a system being able to respond to, you know, 16 inputs with precision 
was not <laughs> possible at the time. I mean, now we can do it in a $25 Raspberry Pi, but at the, at the time, a multi-thousand dollar arcade, game, arcade machine wasn't going to be able to respond to the kind of input that we use today. So there were, there were input limitations. There were, there were processor limitations, all kinds of things. And I think, I think it's those limitations that made the art form, made the, the games more interesting. Yep. So the name, the name of the, just to clarify the name of the company that makes stand up arcade machines, which you can, which you can buy and put together is arcade one up. Um, but, uh, if you want to build, if you if you want to build the little arcade machine I have here, that is a Piecade from Pi Maroni, um, and that's available on on Amazon and wherever uh, wherever Raspberry Pi stuff is sold. Uh, I also recommend, even if you don't necessarily want to buy the whole cabinet, they make kits that will make it easy for you to make a box like this, uh, so you don't have to drill holes like I did, which was the most time consuming thing and um and come with all the parts you need so at least you can hook that up to a tv and control it from there of course having the screen built in is definitely a big plus and giving mm -hmm. you more of that arcade experience mm -hmm. that i think and i think we all want to have so um yeah i i definitely recommend uh check it out there's a lot of competing competing kits on amazon if you look for arcade joystick or arcade kit um you can find a million different kinds of buttons um you know i and i definitely went through a few different kinds when building this some of them i like the click of better than the others i'll tell you um but uh you know it's it's all in the service of like getting back that great experience that i had that i had when i was like 10 years old going to the arcade and uh -huh. now you can go to Dave and Buster's or some modern arcade, but they don't have that many retro machines. Yeah. So more things are, are kind of designed for, you know, more serious type of games. Like my son was asking me, where, when can we go to a retro arcade? And I was like, I don't know where there's a retro arcade. You know, I not, not around here. I don't, I don't see any. So like, you know, it's it's not necessary. I mean, there's a few places in the world where you can, but you know, you, if you really want to have that old-fashioned arcade experience that there's nothing like, you might have to get get something and put something together in your house. Well, when it comes to retro arcades, they I, I have seen them start popping up um, recently. We've got two that I know of here in our local area um, that have that have popped up just in the last like year and a half two years uh but they tend to not be aimed at kids they tend to be aimed at you and i they they're oftentimes bars um that have a whole bunch of retro uh, arcade machines when i was in uh, new orleans for collision last year uh, i met up with a friend from our uh, south florida convention scene who's in the coast guard there and uh we went to <laughs> a barcade and it was a whole bunch of retro arcade machines that we got to play around with at a, at a bar restaurant thing. It was a really interesting experience and it was all right. Well, almost entirely all retro stuff, which was a tremendous amount of fun, but obviously that's not the kind of environment we're probably yeah, going to take a seven year old not. to, but I know that there are other 
Uh, we've got one in the area that's just like a primarily like a pinball place, and they've got a bunch of them, and they're they're targeted at kids, and they've got retro machines too. So it's possible that I mean you could have one in your area. I just wouldn't know how to find it. Yeah, I mean, I was Google. I was googling this. Apparently, there was a convention the other day, uh, or like a retro gaming convention that lasted for two days, and you could go there. But that was that was a temporary thing. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's somewhere, but I think for most people, the way you're going to get to share this experience with your kids yeah. is uh, to find a way of building a system. Uh, so uh, what I will say is, obviously, there are a lot of resources online, but uh, I do have an article for those who want to try it on the who are having difficulty and want to try uh, running, uh, doing emulation on the Raspberry Pi 4. They have a Raspberry Pi 4. They want to get the emulation running. Uh, you can check, you can look on tomshardware.com. We have it uh, in our nav under under Raspberry Pi in the top nav, uh, how you can do uh, em- emulation on the, on the 4. Um, on the 3, it's so easy. All you really have to do is go to retropie.org uh, and follow the instructions there. That obviously makes it way easier, but you know, if you're trying to prepare for the future and you get get the new hardware, it's it's nice that there's some uh yeah some help from you out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I expect within within I check every day. It's been like two months that we people have been waiting for official support. I it's got to be any time within the next like three four weeks that that there'll be an official version of RetroPie, but. The, the people, the volunteers who do RetroPie are very cagey about it. They won't, you know, they don't want to give a timetable or mm-hmm. anything like that. They don't want so, to commit to on something. On the other hand, if I... They don't want to commit yeah. to something that have something come up in their personal lives and not be yeah. able to yeah. to uh, fulfill that commitment, and then they look silly. And, yeah, I understand. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but everyone's waiting with bated breath because, you know, lots of people are buying the new pie as, as they should. And, um, and so they want to be able to run an emulation on it. Makes sense. Well, as always, Avram, I love hearing about the projects that you're working on and all of that stuff. Cause you, you've been working on some really fun stuff and I really love the, the retro arcade stuff. I've been looking at a, uh, I've been wanting to do a, uh, raspberry Pi uh, game set up and I found a, 3D print uh, model for a Nintendo 64, a miniature Nintendo 64 body <laughs> that I think oh, yeah. oh, is yeah. what I want to do. S- oh, they sell those. They s- you don't need a 3D print. They sell they sell it the the case on Amazon for like twenty five bucks. Mm-hmm. That makes it look like a Nintendo 64, or at least it makes it look like an SNES. Um, so you can get cases that look like that no pro no problem. Uh, and you can get controllers that look like original Nintendo controllers. Uh-huh. Too. Um, and you can even, if you're worried about the whole emulation thing, you can actually get uh, USB cartridge readers um, and literally read right off the original cartridges. So there all, all kinds of uh, interesting and unique ways of doing it. Uh, so it it's there's a lot of fun to be had in that space i think <laughs> well uh like i said thanks for uh 
for uh, talking about what it takes to, to get it done, and I look forward to what we talk about next. week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on PC or console are available uh, from Razer. Whether you're looking for a keyboard and a mouse or a webcam or uh, even uh, USB controllers that you could use with your Raspberry Pi gaming setup if you wanted to uh, and a whole lot more including full systems are available by going to f5live.tv slash razor. Gotta tie that all back together, right, Avril? <laughs> um, so we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about um, what Android was doing um, in response to the Apple Arcade, which uh, Apple announced uh, at WWDC this year, uh, which is a subscription service that gives you access to 100-plus games for a fee per month uh it if it sounds familiar that's because it's uh xbox game pass but for mobile games uh, uh, google had gone one step further and included uh apps not just games but other apps as well uh and as part of the subscription what you get is no ads and the in-game content so if there are uh uh you know, levels to be purchased and stuff like that. You get them as part of the thing. Uh, and a great example of that would be um, like uh, Super Mario Run uh, on on iOS and Android. You know, you'd get the levels. You wouldn't have to pay individually for the levels or the level packs. It would just be included. So uh, when Google announced, well, didn't really announce, but confirmed... <laughs> Uh, that they were testing out a service, we saw that it was priced at $4.99 a month. And obviously that put some pressure on Apple, who had not released a price point for their Apple Arcade service. And this week they announced $4.99 a month. Big surprise <laughs> that they were that they're matching what, uh, what Google's doing. Now, of course, the Google service is um, in flux. It's in testing, so... It's one of those things, it may never happen, of course it will, but theoretically it could never uh, happen publicly. The price could change, but of course now with Apple uh, confirming $4.99 a month, Google won't change their price either. Uh, I think they have both locked each other into, into uh, pricing and availability, which is good. It's, it's nice to have the information that we want, considering this, this uh, service is supposed to come out in the fall, probably... Uh, coinciding, give or take, with the launch of uh, the next generation of iPhones, which is likely, uh, give or take a month from today, is about when we suspect <laughs> that the next generation of iPhones will be on the market is eh, about a month from today. So that's probably when we'll see this service launch along with the 11 or whatever they call the device or device family. So I think four ninety nine, like we talked about with Google, I think four ninety nine is the sweet spot for that price point. Yeah, I'm. 
I'm sure because I mean, how much do people really want to spend on mobile games when there's so many mobile games that are that are free to play? Although they're deceptively free to play, because mm-hmm. if you actually care about what's happening in the game, then you've got to spend money and probably a lot more than four ninety nine a month. Right. But at a certain point, don't you think that people are going to have, or don't they already have subscription fatigue? Like, yes. there's so many subscription services, and it's just growing exponentially. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to subscribe for, I mean, let me count the ways. How much, you know, so let's say you have an iPhone, so you get this $4.99 a month uh, service for your games. Mm-hmm. But then when you get home, you have a, you, you need your Xbox Live Gold mm-hmm. uh, or to... Which- to, to play on your console. Which, if you're smart, you're not buying just the Xbox Live Gold. You're buying the the Xbox Game Pass Plus or whatever it's called. Ultimate or whatever it's called. Because it's basically the same price, but you get the games on PC and console for the... But, yes. So, so that's a subscription. <laughs> yeah. So that's a subscription. Then you want to... Then you... Then you, you want to be get Netflix, or we just stay on the iPhone. Uh, you want to be able to back up your device, but the iCloud storage is purposely too small to keep your phone synced. So you have to pay the ninety nine cents a month to get the bigger iCloud, so you can keep your sixty four gig iPhone uh, backed up in the event you put it through a wood chipper and have to restore it tomorrow. Yep. And then so we're gonna have Apple. We're gonna have Apple of, TV Plus, which is gonna be probably nine ninety nine a month. I don't remember what the price is to to screw around with Netflix and all the th- you know all the competition there. Just on just on Apple, you've got all that, and you've got Apple News Plus. Yeah, the, we're gonna have subscription fatigue just in the Apple ecosystem. Yeah, it's. You know what what somebody should come up with a business? Someone should come up with a business that organizes all of your subscriptions. Like all of your different all of your different subscriptions, whether they're for games or music or video or storage or whatever, like that you have like one place that you can log in and make sure that you're paying all of them or cancel or add them. Which I know there's some attempt to do this by Amazon where they have the Amazon channel prime channels. So you could subscribe to CBS all access or something from the prime channels. But you know, it's, it's getting to be a really big um, pain to keep track of all these subscriptions. Like what happens, what happens if you have to change your credit card and Mm -hmm. you've got like, you know, 20 different subscriptions, recurring subscriptions that you don't even I can't even keep track of privacy. So privacy is the service for that. Pluckitslive.com slash privacy. Uh, that way you don't have to worry about it. The card is just for the service. And if you, if your uh, debit card or credit card has to be replaced, you change it out behind the scenes at privacy and just change your funding source to those other debit cards. Everything keeps going. Best thing ever. Ah, I See, love that's it. That's really good. <laughs> that's 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 fantastic. And then People if you have if there's a that. it also gives you the ability if uh if there's a breach, which we talk about almost every week we talk about data breaches. Uh the card can only be right. used at Netflix. So what are they going to do? Pay your Netflix bill early? Oh well. 
<laughs> right. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's. That's what. That's how it should. That's how it should be. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I think it's fine. Four ninety nine. I mean, if people are gonna, but I think at a certain point, I don't know. They ought to make these things easier for consumers by bundling some of these services together. You know, maybe some sort of Apple Ultimate know, subscription. One, yeah, where's your Apple Ultimate subscription? Yeah, exactly. Just like the Xbox, the Xbox Ultimate that gives you the the PC Game Pass, the Xbox Game Pass, and the Xbox Live Gold all bundled together. Apple could do like an Apple Ultimate subscription that has. News Plus and TV Plus and the expanded iCloud and the arcade and all that in one one possibly discounted subscription. Make it better for everybody. Yeah, I'm with you. But yeah, I, I definitely think subscription fatigue is coming in a bigger way than it is already. I mean, we we saw, you know, Loot Crate is done. So we're already starting to see some of the the early subscription uh, services fold fold up like Loot Crate. So you know, I think I think it's already starting to set in, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that <laughs> at the end of the show. But yeah, I something has to be done. We can't all have a hundred million subscriptions. We all hear $5, like, great, but when there's a hundred of them, $5 a month gets ridiculous real quick. But if yeah. you're, a, if you're a big mobile gamer, you know, th- this is the kind of thing that might, might end up saving you money, depending on what games are in it, which obviously we don't know today what the full lineup is, but you know, like I said, we'll probably know within a couple of weeks, uh, when they announce the iPhone, they'll probably put out the launch titles. And for some people, you know, $5 might be a huge savings for if you're buying a lot of in-game stuff. For me, I've never purchased an in-game thing in a mobile game, so <laughs> it wouldn't change anything for me. But, you know, for, for some people, it, it could be a huge deal. So it'll be interesting to see uh, to see how that goes when it launches. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or uh, let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. And this one is somewhere down the middle. <laughs> it's Street Fighter. Uh, uh, the way it normally works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, you play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, they also, from time to time, do uh, some live events, although their live events for 2019 are complete, uh, having finished up this past week. But uh, they also have some deals right now, uh, like $2 off Miami Connection, which, by the way, is a wonderful riff. Uh, definitely worth doing, especially at a discount. To find out what films are available and what uh, shorts you can check out, you can go to f5live.tv slash rift tracks with an X. 
I don't know where to put Street Fighter. Is it a B-movie? Is it a Hollywood blockbuster? I don't know that it's either. Anyway, so... No. <laughs> so, um... Cryptocurrency. Obviously, big business right now. Um, and Facebook wants a piece of the pie, and uh, they announced their Libra uh, currency earlier in the year. They launched with... Uh, 28 founding members of the, I believe it's called the Libra Association, yes, um, which will oversee the program. Their intentions are to have 100 members of the association by 2020, which is when they want to launch the currency. However, um, because Facebook is constantly under scrutiny for many good reasons, um, there have been uh, problem after problem. Uh, for example, uh, governments from around the world are concerned that the existence of Libra and its tie to Facebook could actually harm the value of fiat currencies, which, when you, you read some of their arguments, makes sense. Uh, they're also worried that uh, the tie between the two could mean that Libra transactions may not be as um, encrypted as one might think. But on top of everything, we now have a bit of uh, discontentment within the association itself. There are two members who are considering abandoning ship before the program is officially launched. Um, we don't know who the two of the 28 are, but all 28 are high-profile uh, companies and the loss of any of them would be a problem, uh, but obviously, you know, the concern is is legitimate. Uh, being associated with Facebook through the Libra Association could bring additional scrutiny and the cost of, you know, additional uh, lawyer time and stuff on their organizations. And then, if you're associated with Facebook, you never know what what legal associations that may create and that isn't good for anybody right now so uh there are two organizations that are thinking of leaving and uh so that doesn't bode well for either facebook's 2020 launch mid 2020 launch or uh getting to 100 founding members for launch if they're already losing people before it starts so what like why would somebody want to have Facebook cryptocurrency? Mm. Like, I know why Facebook would want to have their own money. It sort of makes it like Club Med. Don't they have it when you go to Club Med or something? They give you special seashells or whatever to buy your drinks. Um, yes. So, so yeah, you know, I could see why they want to why they want to make it so that you'll use money that's associated with them. But mm -hmm. That's precisely why I don't think people will want this money. Right. I mean, it's it's against the spirit of cryptocurrency. Yeah. The spirit of cryptocurrency is very distributed, not run by a particular company. You have different exchanges. People people do mining. You know, I it's it's hard now. That's also why cryptocurrency has not really gotten mainstream either. Mm -hmm. Like people are making a lot of money off of it at the same time. I where name, name five stores where you can actually spend your cryptocurrency. 
Yeah, uh, uh, today the number is is lower than it was three years ago because you even used to be able to use it at Newegg, uh, and you can't even do that anymore. So, you know, I don't. I find right now cryptocurrency to kind of unless you're just going to trade it with other people who will eventually give you cash for it, it's not very valuable. But yeah, I, I can't imagine people wanting to associate wanting to use Facebook wanting to use Facebook money Facebook money especially with all of the uh, privacy problems that they have on Facebook and all the scams that happen when people scam people on Facebook I think all you need is yet another way uh, yet another way for people to part you from your for hackers to part you from your money yeah now I've seen I've seen some platforms that that use cryptocurrency to create a different type of value. Um, so not, not necessarily uh, making payments in cryptocurrency to websites or whatever, but um, you know, going back to talking about collision there, we talked with a company uh, called Badali that um, is using it basically to, eliminate Western Union from long distance wire transfers. So they're instantaneous, they're trackable, they're confirmable, things like that. So there are, you know, there is some uh, currency related value uh, to crypto, but it's definitely few and far between. It's, it, it has not, it's, it's more of a stock or bond than, than it is, uh, a currency right now, except for, you know, things like Badali and things that have found ways or, you know, I think last year at collision, we talked with a company who was using it for countries that were underbanked, but you know, here, here in the U S underbanked, isn't really a thing that's, we're talking about, you know, Venezuela that <laughs> here, there's not really a currency value to it in general so and then tying it to facebook isn't it just and and it and it being give or take tied to to fiat doesn't that just make it facebook tokens and wasn't that a failure the first time <laughs> yeah it seems it's it seems like this is going to be about as successful as the facebook uh, in-home camera <laughs> oh I can't even remember what that's called, and that's not great. I should, I should remember because it's only been six months or whatever since it came out. <laughs> but uh, portal, Facebook portal, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad idea. It was a good idea because so many people are chat on Facebook and it mm -hmm. had good cameras. But I think the lack of trust in Facebook is exact is why that has been a failure. Yeah, and so you know, allowing them to also be your bank mm -mm, that's not going to happen i i am not surprised that people are getting cold feet on this i am surprised they had 28 founding members i think i think that is double what <laughs> what made sense uh, especially at the time that they announced it i was like uh you got you got 27 other companies behind this that's pretty impressive cuz uh you're not going to get consumers behind it
This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, obviously, you know you get free shipping sometimes same day, but what you may not know about is some of your cool other benefits like Amazon Prime Music, which gives you a couple of million tracks available to stream for free, and then a huge discount on uh, the full Amazon Music subscription. Uh, you also get Amazon Prime Video, which gives you uh, TV shows, movies, uh, documentaries, both original content and licensed, including HBO back catalog stuff and all kinds of content also available as part of your subscription. Plus Twitch Prime, which you can use uh, a couple of different ways. The first is you get a free subscription every month, which you can use to uh, subscribe to uh, a content creator of your choice to help support them financially. Uh, you can subscribe to Plug Hits Live or or anybody else. Uh, you also get free games every month, which is my favorite part. Uh, and the games are yours once they're yours. Uh, it's similar to Xbox Live or PlayStation Network or uh, Switch Online, which, by the way, right now, if you are a Prime subscriber, you also get a free year of uh, Switch Online where you get more free games. And uh, we've got our list of our favorite features and some quick links to get to them. Plus, uh, if you're not already a subscriber, we've got a free 30-day trial and the ability to send it as a gift to somebody else. And all of that is available at f5live.tv slash prime. So we teased this a little bit when we were talking about uh, subscription fatigue. And this might be the... <laughs> One of the better examples of it, uh, the service that used to be called DirecTV Now and was officially rebranded this week to AT&T TV Now, because that's easy to say, um, has had massive uh, uh, subscriber uh, abandonment. In fact, about a million subscribers in the last uh, the last statistic have have abandoned ship, and of course, like any good sinking ship, uh, AT and T has decided to follow the the uh, failing restaurant model and lower its quality and increase its prices in an attempt to keep the lights on. And uh, there they have added new packages. And they range all the way up to $135 per month for 125 channels. Now, let me put that number into perspective. When DirecTV Now first launched, it launched at $35 a month for 60 channels. So $100 less for only half the channels. And AT&T's hardline cable service, AT&T U-verse, offers 190 channels plus internet access for $115 a month. So, who is this service for? No idea. Um, cord cutters who don't know better. It's all I can figure. I, it's officially the top package is officially more expensive than Hardline <laughs> with internet. Well, well, 
you could argue that that's their hard line, whereas you could get DirecTV now anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. So, but you just, can't get UVerse any, anywhere. That's true. But just looking AT and T to AT and T, I mean the fact that that the hard line, which is more expensive for them to maintain, is less money, is insane. And I can tell you, one hundred and thirty-five dollars for the one hundred and twenty-five channel package, way more than I pay. Yeah, no, it's 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 an awful price. It's insane. Uh, it's one of those things. You could argue that they want it to fail because they want to be punitive toward people who are cutting the cord. Well, that's interesting. Like a lot of cable operators don't don't like cord cutting, right? So you have this service that people use for cord cutting. We're gonna make it look in, unattractive. Okay. By make it by pricing it more expensive, and if you look at what it actually costs to be a cord cutter, in a lot of cases, if you want a lot of the same content that people get from a cable package it's more expensive Uh you don't you don't really win i mean i i'm not cord cutting for exactly that reason you don't really win unless there's only a handful of things that you want to watch you just want your netflix you just want um you know you just want a a couple of streaming services if you want to watch most of the channels that people are getting on cable well you might as well get you might as well get cable yeah, and you know, so we we've seen we've certainly seen that. I wish, I really wish that there were more a la carte services. It's how Sling TV got started, where you know you pay what thirty five for your your base, and then you can add add your little a la carte packages here and there, which is kind of the way Dish Network used to work. I don't know if it still does. I haven't sold them in a decade, but um, it's it's how Dish Network was $19 a month and then you know if you wanted the Spanish channels it was three and if you wanted that it was two and whatever I wish the streaming services the TV streaming services worked more that way I think I think it would be more whichever company is able to get the contracts to pull that off first I think is the the one that attracts the the cord cutters yeah yeah, no, no doubt. It's 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 a difficult situation for sure, uh, and you know, on top of it, if you're a cord cutter, on top of your direct TV now, you're not you're probably also paying extra for Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. And you're paying extra, and you'll be paying extra for Disney Plus next month for sure. And you'll be paying, and you'll be paying extra for uh, CBS All Access, and you'll be paying extra for. It goes on and on. Uh-huh. You're paying extra for DC Universe and Hulu and yeah, yeah. It's and and it really brings us back to that subscription fatigue thing. It's the the idea of of signing up for these things. And again, you know, at at eight dollars for for Hulu and eleven dollars for Netflix, and you know. It all sounds little until you start adding them all up and you look at the number and you're like, how did I get to $350 a month in subscription? Wasn't I trying to get away from the $80 cable package? How did we get here? Yeah, and and not only that, but your internet probably costs more because it's not part of the cable package. So right. you're paying more for your connection to get this stuff. Which brings us back to that whole you save with a bundle thing. It's 
it's the Xbox yeah. Game Pass Ultimate thing. It's the the Apple Ultimate thing that we pitched. You know, if you if you bundle things together, you get a discount on everything because it's better for the per, the company that's providing the the service. And I think that's the reason why a la carte hasn't worked with television is the TV stations don't want to be licensed a la carte. <laughs> they want to be licensed. No, they don't because bulk. they want to force you. Yeah. Or they want they to force, force you to ha- they want channels. to force the operator to pay a subscription fee for everybody, a licensing fee per user. Yeah. And exactly. a la carte and doesn't you end up with channels. Yeah. A la carte doesn't doesn't lend its way to that, and so you like you were gonna say, you end up with channels you don't care about. Right. You know, like what if you what if you want to watch NBC, but you're also paying for the Sci-Fi Channel and every other NBC property. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. You want to watch, you want to watch watch Fox Sports, but then but you also get Fox News and Fox Business. Right. So. You know it. it because they, they want you to have to have to pay for that. They want the cable provider to have to pay for that stuff. Exactly, and obviously that just gets pushed down to you. It a la carte would be nice, but there would have to be a a pretty big shift in the way the industry works. But I, it's interesting. I hadn't considered that maybe AT and T kind of wants this to fail. Although the the thing is, it's it's not like it's not like the kind of person who has signed up for. I'm going to try and use the terrible new name, AT&T TV Now. That is way too many T's in a row. Anyway, um, it's not like the kind of person who has signed up for that is going to go, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go back to cable. They're going to go, well, you know, YouTube TV is way less, or Hulu with live TV is way less, or PlayStation View, or <laughs> Sling TV. Or There's plenty of other choices. There, that aren't a hundred and thirty-five dollars uh, a month. <laughs> only if you're thinking. That's true. Um, I mean, if you are someone who's already on, let's say, AT and T Uverse, and then you you call up the cable company and say, "Hey, I heard about this cord cutting thing. I wanna <laughs> I wanna cancel my cable. Don't you have something for me?" And they, and they say, yeah, yeah, we have this thing, but it'll cost you more. It'll cost you $24 more. Oh, okay, I'll stick with my cable then. You know, I mean, so, you know, there's there's people out there who are not, not tech savvy, you know, but they've heard of cord cutting. Like, that's exactly the kind of thing my mother would call me and say with a slightly different voice. But she would call. Well, yeah, I, she would call and she would I've say, never oh, met your mother, but I don't, I couldn't imagine that your mother is Harvey Firestein. Oh, no. Which is give or take the voice you just did, which was wonderful. Yes, yes. So, listen, you, you, my mother would definitely call me up and say, oh, my friend has is, is, cord, is cord cutting. Should I cord cut? And then I would say... And I would say to her, why do you want a cord cut? Well, you know, my friend's doing it and she says it saved her money and, you know, she doesn't get the channel she doesn't want or whatever. And then, you know, she'll call up the cable company and the cable company will say to her, like, yes, you can cord cut, but it'll cost you $25 more. Yeah. That That's enough incentive to say, no, Never I, I mind. don't want to be yeah. bothered. So, that makes sense. So that's that's for people who are not not savvy to the marketplace. 
people who are savvy to the marketplace uh, will will do something else. But um, that makes sense. You know, even then, it is really hard to create a package of all the things that cable gives you. If what you want is exactly what you get from cable, yeah, um, for sure, just without paying for cable, that makes sense. Um, but like you said, it's not like AT and T Uverse is is a big provider. I forgot that we have it in Florida, but <laughs> whatevs. Uh, AT and T has kind of has kind of proven over the last year or so that business decisions don't seem to be their forte. So. <laughs> A rough year of weird decisions from them. So I, I can see them going that way. Well, that is our show. Uh, thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. Um, if you didn't and would like to in the future, normally Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. Uh, and you can watch uh, live, including all of the weird technical things that sometimes happen during a live show, including tonight's things happen oh well um otherwise you can always go to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe and there you can see all of our shows and all of the different ways you can subscribe on apple and google and podcast play and spotify and tune in and all the all the myriad of ways that you can listen or watch our shows are all there i definitely recommend uh checking out the uh, Plug Kids Live Presents series because we've got lots of content being published there every day and it's definitely worth checking out because uh, the interview we talked about earlier from with Badali is uh, published with the cryptocurrency stuff so there's lots of interesting things there uh, and I think with that on behalf of the staff that's not here I'm Scott I'm Avram and we will see you guys back next time ciao